Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Uh, greetings, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Uh, are we starting, James? Or are you going on Facebook? Are you doing the Facebook live? No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. It's, I've tried to send it to Facebook. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today at 10 a.m. on a Thursday. Uh, we have an action-packed show for you today. Uh, no, we have two topics we're going to talk about. And the third one was going to be just like a live Q&A type party thing because we couldn't think of a third topic um so let's see what happens if anyone has any topics they want us to discuss in detail here's your opportunity to tell us and we'll do it as the third point uh james james yes sir what's uh, what's the latest so today just for people who are listening to this later it's thursday the 7th of may i'm sure you'll edit this and get this out in sort of four weeks which is your your normal sla right now you're like a you're like a mortgage company it's in your um, mailbox have you even checked no, I haven't looked at my mail this morning. No, because I've well, been go, uh, meditating. So, uh, what's what's new with you? Not don't talk about the auction because that's that's our second topic. Okay. Otherwise, what's what's new with you? Well, first of all, obviously you can see I've been to see my COVID barber, looking trim. Huh, Ted, you want to come along to the COVID barber? <laughs> you need to see the COVID barber. You do. I listen to <laughs> government. I listen to government sanctions, so I'm I'm I'm, you know, I'm following the rules. So I think I'll pass. But thank you though. You pass on a good day. <laughs> good. So you got a haircut? Anything else? Um, yeah. Apart from that, um, apart from that thing that we're going to talk about later on with the auction purchase, um, no. Um, some leeway with the landlord, who's be, sorry, the agent who's being a bit of an asshole. Um, now agreeing to hand over the house, but obviously he wants some kind of um, he wants some money. Basically, he's trying to say. Yes, you're going to have to give me some deposit money, this and that. And I gave you a holding deposit and all this. So it's all... He good. owes you rent. So you can just say, well, you owe me rent. So we'll take it out of that. The thing is, Ted, I don't really want to... If I start going down that route now saying, look, you owe me rent, I don't want him to start saying, look, you know, um, I'm agreeing to give it back to you or start being an arsehole. So I need to get it back in my control, first of all, get that contract terminated. And then I'm going to hit him with the court claim after that. Have you spoken to the RLA about like, the contract and if you can just escape it because it's not really because just because a contract has just because a contract you've signed it and it has terms in it doesn't mean they're legally enforceable right you can put whatever you want doesn't mean it can be enforced so have you checked if that contract yes, is yes, even? i used i used landlord services and their solicitor checked it over and they did say look this is a very bad contract like we all knew anyway <laughs> secondly he said it's very heavy towards them and you're going to have to pretty much abide by it. So um, okay, fine. As long as someone's, we did have Ayaz on this group. He's actually joined us this morning. So he he drafted me up a termination, a deed of termination, which uh, has been sent through to him. I was trying to, I sent it with EverSign because I thought EverSign is good because it will give me a ping when they've opened the email, even if they haven't signed it. Because then that way they can't say to me, oh, I haven't checked it, I haven't done this, and I didn't receive it. So uh, yeah, I've sent that to him. I'm hoping they sign it. Uh, and that's me out of uh, out of that contract. And then I suppose I have to deal with it after because the thing mm. that worries me the most is I was on a, a Zoom call with uh, John from Town uh, Planning Expert. Mm-hmm. 
And somebody on there, a lady who deals with uh, issues such as this, she said to me, look, James, one thing you've got to be really, really careful is if something happens to any one of those tenants, you're ultimately liable. So you need to try and get that property in your control as soon as possible so that if something ends up happening or or you can address any issues. Now, I know there's issues in that house. So it's really, really worrying me that I want to get it back because obviously if something happens, I don't want to go to prison or worse still be up in court. These agents you used are just despicable. Like, I hope when you take them, you take them good boy and you take them everything because, oh, just disgusting people, man, to be honest. And, um, okay. Sharks, sharks, man. Proper sharks, mate. Sharks. So, uh, what's new with me? I'll ask myself because after five episodes, you never ask me. So I feel like the unloved Tedge. partner. What's going on in the world of Tejinal? Oh, thank the you. Thank you for, the I, never thought, I never thought you'd ask me. Well, uh, I'm on my last batch of homemade bread. There's no more wholemeal in the shops or in the house. So it's a bit peak. Uh, rent has been paid in full, albeit sort of one day and the next because of some bank wow. issue. Uh, well I have one, I'm waiting on a second half of it, which is due in tomorrow. Uh, and another one has got his job and he's paying it. So another month of rent, which is great. Uh, I also have a service accommodation, which when this hit, I was just like, cool, I'll just pay the bridger and just lose money every month, whatever. But my management company, big up, uh, just secured a 28 day booking bringing in £1,440 as a as the turnover um, with a contractor. So there's less cleans. In fact, I don't know how many cleans there'll be, if any. I don't know how, I'm not bothered how it works. So the payout from that, I think, should be about 800 to me, maybe a little bit more, which then you've got mortgage or bridge, and then you've got uh, bills. It's a lot better than a buy-to-let. So uh, I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty happy that, like, in this sort of period where people aren't really out and about my essay has got someone in 28 days and they've paid and it's non-refundable. I mean, that's the next month kind of sorted. So that's good news. Uh, good news on that front. Uh, otherwise, yeah, Corona is Corona and, uh, bounce back loans. If anyone hasn't heard of these loans, uh, James, do you want to tell them? Cause you've, have you got the money from yours or where are you? I haven't at the moment, no, but I did get a text message last night saying that you'll be paid in 24 hours. So we got a Thanks few... Thanks for texting now, wow. Yeah, yeah. So we got a few few limited companies and we put one through on the first one. And I think we we, we applied for about £35,000. We thought, you know, it's it's low rate money. If we can get mm. it, why not? Let's let's just have it. Um, so Interest fee for a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we put that through and we also put it through on another company, I think, which was about £45,000. So... Um, again, I'd rather have it sitting in the bank account knowing I can service that loan anyway, because if something comes along, if a deal comes along, I don't really want to be thinking, oh, shit, man, I wish I'd taken that money or, you know, um, I wish I had that money so I could use it. Yeah, and I think you're never, we're never going to have interest free for a year and then 2.5% afterwards that gets approved like that and yeah. is literally in your, like, I know people who applied on Monday and they had the money yesterday, so we're never going to have money like this before. If anyone doesn't know what it is, just have a look on Google.gov, loads of information. But basically, I mean, it is based on turnover. So The form is ridiculous. It's just like one form. So put your account number in, put your sort code in, how much do you turn over, your company name, your company number, and how much you want, and submit. And literally, that was it, man. And I couldn't believe it. And then 
about two hours later, you get a contract come through, which you sign and send back. And then they say, yeah, we're going to pay you money in 24 hours. You think, damn, as easy as that. It's, it, I mean, it, it's mad. And I think also, but two things to note. One, if you have banks like Starling, Monzo Business, Tide Business, you know, you're potentially going to have issues. Starling are in the process of they're this close to getting authorized to give the money um, or to take applications tied. Uh, who knows what's happening, but they put a blog out saying, yeah, we're working on it. And then Monzo Business, I love Monzo. I have no idea. They don't really give accounts to property investors anyway, so it may not be an issue, but it is based on turnover. So if you've just started in property or if you've got like a few buy-to-lets and stuff, your turnover is not huge. If you've got like a rent-to-SA portfolio, or you can do projected turnover, Aaron said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm thinking a mill this year, isn't it, with my 12 yeah, yeah, yeah. buy-to-lets? Yeah, this a mill, a <laughs> 12 buy-to-lets equals mill. Yeah, yeah, of course. Everyone knows that. Yeah, my buy-to-lets are in Chelsea. So obviously, yeah, 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 fine. Um, great. That's good. You can do projected turnover. So obviously, uh, d- be realistic. I thought it was only actual as of 2019. But... May get, I'm gonna get off this call and start applying then. Uh, great. So uh, Ted, that's on that. the back of that, sorry, on the back of those um, Monzo and Tide and all that. I, if I remember right, about eight weeks ago, you were taking a piss at me, and you were saying, "Oh, James, you're still using those old high street banks, them shit ones where it takes so long to get an account. Do this, do that." You, your words were, "You need to get on this Tide stuff and this uh, Starling." So look, I've got my Tide and Starling here. I ain't never used them. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to you on that because man's was able to go on and get his loan. Whereas you are still sitting there scratching your ass waiting, right? Hang your head in shame, boy. (laughs) Yes. When the government wants to give money, who do they give it to? The corrupt money laundering banks. Great. Lovely. But when it actually comes to usability, who's better? We know who's better. Yeah. So you can just sit back down. Yeah. Um, Good. (laughs) <laughs> thought, you, thought you were standing right so yes it, there there is a point there that maybe just generally keep one big old school account just to for times like this the once every decade it happens is worth having an account but hsbc i think they're they are one of the few who are allowing non-account holders to do it so potentially like i'm gonna i'm probably gonna apply to them for my one with tide because they're just not you know they're just they're t- taking the piss right uh so james should we uh move on to our first topic of the e the morning not the evening the morning yeah let's go for it man so the topic the the title of this essay the hypotheses for this discussion is the dark side of social media and haters obviously everyone saw me and james in the satin white bentley uh it was an orange interior or flame what do they call it in the bentley dealership darling like flame orange or something uh saying fuck the haters if you haven't seen that picture go see it because like it's real life like, if you think it's photoshopped, the picture, then, yeah like if you think it's photoshopped leave this chat because you're a hater if you think it's photoshopped yeah haters haters will say it's photoshopped right uh so james it, when i say the dark side of social media what, what comes to mind instantly for you uh, do you know what? I think there's a lot of people out there that you've got supportive people, people that really love your journey, people that support you, you know, people that say great things. And then you've always got that one dick or a group of little dicks that just sit there and they want to criticize you, man. 
and they want to just try and fucking get you for every little thing. So like for yourself the other week, what happened when this, I'm not obviously, like you said, I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> but this was bad, man. This, this hate just started with one post and just went, and even when it was removed, the hate still continued. And it was like, let's get that post back up and just gun this guy down some more. And obviously anyone who knows you knows what you're doing and you're doing it on, you know, you're doing it on a level. It, it, what you're achieving is good. And this guy's going on saying, how can this guy have so many charges on his company? He's just taking money from other people and scamming them. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I hope he ain't scamming anyone because he's had some money off me. <laughs> but my point being, there's always that small minority that hate. And do you know what I found over the years? It's not just on social media. You might even have it in your friend circle. You think your friend circle's so tight, but there'll be that one, one person, that one person in your group who's constantly hating. And you can normally tell who it is. They don't like any of your posts. <laughs> you look at your posts. They view your video, but mm. there'll be never, there'll be no comment. There'll be no love. There'll be no nothing, you know, nothing to say. You know what, Tez, that video was fucking blinding, man. I love what you did there. Love the graphics. Love this. Come on, man. You can tell when someone's done something. Could reach out and support them, uplift them. Don't be a dick and just not do it, you know? What's up with you? Support. Mm, I think, like, yeah, that, that post was quite funny because I think anyone who can do a bit of basic DD can look at limit, can look at Companies House for anyone and can look at the the accounts, the filing history, uh, the charges, the people, any other... Like, Companies House, I'll be honest, it doesn't give you a great insight, you know, like you can still be buying loads of houses and it could be kind of empty because you're in your first year. You haven't done your accounts, so there's no balance sheet. You haven't got charges because you've bought with your own cash or cash, for example. So sometimes, you know, it it can't be useful. And sometimes you set up a limited company here and then you just set it up because, you know, you're doing your stuff and you don't buy a house till here. And so right now you might have 50 houses, but what it shows on company's house and your balance sheet is like 10 because of when you got them and how accounting periods work. But I think a lot of people I'm gonna, are just too thick to realize the basics of company due diligence. And look, I'm not going to say, oh, it's easy. Everyone should get it. But there's a lot of people who will say, you know what? I don't get it. Can you tell me? Can you know How do I work this out? Let me go on Google. But then there's the thick half who are just like, Oh, oh, it must be that. Yeah. If, if this property trainer is doing it, then they're doing it. She's doing it. He's doing it. And like, they just don't take the, but basically it's like, there's this group on Facebook and I think it used to be quite, I don't know if it's a positive, but it used to be a positive force for kind of uh, exposing these training, like these marketing techniques. It was a bit like what, uh, what's his name? Guy from Warrington does. What's his name? Fucking add him on podcast. Win it. That's that's Yorkshire. Win it. That's it. It's what win it does. I can't even do Manchester's hard money. And he, he does it in such a way that's like quite funny and like interesting. This group was a bit more of like, Oh, hi, we're all the the Jesus messiahs of property investment. We've got (laughs) one property each and we're going to teach you all why people are scammers. And then it got worse and worse. And recently it's become basically like a witch hunt. And I think I kind of, I kind of compare this group to like the daily mail comment section. I don't know if anyone's ever been bored enough to read them, but I implore you just to see how some people live and, and, and speak. 
look at the Daily Mail comment section for like some gossipy story, right? It's just a lot of small-minded people who have their own worldview and perception of things that comment on things that they think they can't achieve, but they absolutely could if they changed their worldview. So it's like you have groups of people like this and they flock together, right? Birds of a feather, James? Flock together. Exactly. So... That's what happens. Just like if you joined, a, like if you were hanging out with Ed Milet, would he be hanging out with like, you know, someone who's not a super high achiever? Never. Right. So it's the same thing. You hang out with certain people, they're going to hang out with the same people. So I think you have to be careful, like where you put your mind, right? Like when it comes to Facebook groups, there's some who are great and there's some who are okay. And there's some who are just like straight up terrible. And I think you have to protect your mental health. Like at the start, join all of them, comment, you know, engage with them. But after time, you'll be like, hmm, this group is that kind of people or that kind of people. And, and sometimes you'll see certain comments, like the one, you, um, the one you mentioned about me, there was no sort of substance. It was just like, hey, everyone, here's this guy. He better come and prove himself to me, you know, because I'm, I'm like, I've got a million po- I was like, bruv, who are you? And if you can't research company's house, then you literally mean nothing. Like, what, why would I want to prove myself to you? So I think, you know, have you, like, are there certain areas, James, that you have maybe, when I say areas, I mean friends or groups or, or people that you've kind of said, nah, I'm good. I'm not trying to anymore. Yeah, yeah, some of my closest friends. So, or, or used to be my closest friends, and I'm I'm a I'm a big promoter of this man. I think everybody needs to have a Facebook clear out once a year or twice a year. Go through your Facebook and get rid of people that ain't uplifting you, inspiring you, or making you a better person. Because I think your social media should be all about what you're. You want to open up your feed and you want to be motivated. You don't want to open up your feed and think, "Oh man, there's Jackie down the road again, moaning about her husband drinking beer and." beating the shit out of the dog you don't want to hear about that shit i don't want to hear about that shit there was a time when i had to take my mum off my facebook feed you know because i didn't like what was going on there you know or family members family members are the worst bruv i have it now i have so many requests from cousin distance cousins and i think nah i'm not having you on there because when i see you at a family event you're just going to talk shit you're going to chat so much shit about what we're doing, what we're doing in property. So I'm not interested. I don't want you on there. So I think one thing you can do first of all is you can control your social media feed. Yeah, what what I mean by that is when you open up Facebook in the morning, when you open up Instagram in the morning or in the middle of the night for some of you sad people that wake up in the night and think, oh, let me have a quick scroll. Yeah, you want to see good stuff. You don't want to see bad shit. So take off all that nonsense of, you know, I'm not dissing Forex traders or a Forex trader on there blinging up his 10K watch. He's done three posts. He's got 60,000 followers. And you think that guy's going to make you financially free. Get rid of it because you know it's bollocks. But part of your mind's telling you, oh, it might be real. I might be able to achieve this. So I give him a 10 grand check. It's not right. Get rid of it. So what I do is a couple of times a year, I will go through my feeds first of all and get rid of all the nonsense. Get, I call it noise. You want to get rid of all the noise and you want all the good stuff on your feed. Because I was, who was I talking to about? I was talking to someone about social media. Actually, I was talking to Josh about social media and Josh was saying the same thing. It can make you feel so, it can make you feel positive. It can make you feel negative. It's the way you look at it. So number one, get rid of the hate on the social because you're going to see that daily because social is such a big part of your life. Number two, look at your friend circle. I, I said this so many times. If you are the brightest person in your group or your circle, 
you need a new circle, man, because you can't be hanging around with wastes. It's simple as you got one life. You're probably going to live till 80 if you're lucky. One life, yeah? So make sure you're living it, man. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are uplifting, like this group here. For example, everybody's here for a reason because they want to learn about property. They want to be uplifted. Um, you know, I'm sure there's no haters in here. Not that I can see anyway. Oh, I know we were getting a little bit of hate from Shaz earlier on with his, with his, he was yawning, man. He was yawning us. We're going to have to take up with this guy later on. Man, he sent me a picture when you came late and he was like, where, where are you? It's one minute past 10. <laughs> He's still on time from Pakistan, man. He needs to tune his watch back to the UK. He is. But, but talking, sorry, getting back to that point of talking about haters. Now, you know, last week I was with a big baller on Friday. A big, big baller, yeah? Mm. You know, this guy is a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Now, I was there. I had a meeting with him at his offices. But this place was bling. Like, I mean, total, total bling. I walk in there and I'm sitting there. First of all, the security guard comes up to me, uh, makes me hand sanitized, puts a mask on. You know, like he's protecting me from the big don upstairs. <laughs> And it was surreal. This building was surreal. You know, these guys have a, they have an online business that does 100 million pounds. Uh, then they have designer clothing for children. And the guy's got a 2 million pound Ferrari LaFerrari outside, you know. And I walked in this place. There ain't no hate, man. I'm there thinking, what do I need to do to be doing what this guy is doing here? This mm. guy's plus, this guy is plus 50 years old. He's got the physique of a 20 year old. He looks so good. You know, he's got a gym in his office where he trains twice a day. He has an MMA trainer come and train him. He has a kitchen where his food's prepared. And I'm thinking to myself, you don't hate on a guy like this, man. You learn from a guy like this. And when I told some people who I was with, you know, some narrow-minded people, they're like, bruv, that guy's a scammer, man. He used to sell heroin back in the day. You don't know about his dad. His dad used to bring heroin over in a suitcase on a boat. And you're thinking, why are you hating, man? Go yeah, do some we, we all did research. that. Like, of course, man. <laughs> why are you hating? <laughs> I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, why are you hating on this guy? Just because the guy's got like a 10 million pound car collection. He lives in a 10 million pound house. He's grafted for it. And it's only when you sit with someone like that in their company, the aura around this guy. I was lucky to spend an hour with him in his office. Now, let me tell you something. His office is the blingest office. 25,000 pound custom made desk. That's wealth, man. That's some serious... How much for the desk? £25,000 for the desk. What material oh. was it? I, I it was There was parts of marble in it, parts of gold in it. But you know what? This was very, mm. very stylish, Teddy. It wasn't like it wasn't like cheap shit. This was really nicely done. And this. then my man's got like hidden built-in wardrobes in his room. And he's pressing part of the wall. It's coming away. It's got his suit jackets. It's got his sportswear. And... I'm thinking That's lit. for a minute, I'm thinking, no, nah, this guy's this guy's bragging. And I'm thinking, no, nah, he's not. He's trying to make me realize how he thinks. So he was like, James, I spend a lot of time here. I have my suits if I need to go to a meeting. I have my sportswear if I need to go and train in my gym. You know, I have everything here within arm's length that I need to be the most productive I can be. And what I really, really love about how his office is positioned, when he looks out of his window, he sees his cars. <laughs> you know and how can that not be a driving force for someone who's a massive ferrari fan you know the guy's daily car is a flipping g-wagon and you think you know this is a, a serious yeah, one so. it was an amg thing probably a couple of hundred grand and you're thinking this is next level i walked out of that place buzzing out of my head thinking 
this ain't about hate, man. You can't hate on wealthy people or or really successful people. These people should be lifting you up, man. You should be there thinking, damn, he done it. He started selling jeans on a market store and look where he is now. I can do exactly the same damn thing. You know, so I say, coming back to my point of saying your circle, get rid of the shit in your circle because there's going to be haters in your own circle. There's going to be haters in your family circle. You know, I don't like going to certain family events because I know I've got to talk the same shit with the uncles, you know. Oh, you know, my kid's doing this. My son's a waste man. I hate my job. I started to drink too much. I've got cholesterol. I'm going to get diabetes. I'm going to die. I was like, bruv, you just killed me off in five minutes. Like you just talking. I feel dead talking to you. Now. I feel deflated. My personality just gone down like this. I'm not interested. Like, get, get me the hell out of here. That's why me and my wife have so much beef sometimes when I don't turn up at a wedding. And she goes, you're so rude. You don't talk to anyone. I said, I'm protecting my space. This space here, I want to protect. I don't want to let fucking shit into my head. That's um, that's a good point, and I think uh, Mohit said every Indian gathering, and yeah, it's it's totally true. I think like, you know what? I think the modern way to look at it is, and how I see it is, it doesn't matter if they're family, if they're blood, their water, whatever. If they got bad energy and they're just not changing, or they don't want to change, or they're not learning from you, then it's not your responsibility to chat and, like you said, affect your energy. So, like, I'm totally with that, and it comes also down to like people on your friends list. So when Corona hit. Quite a few people, oh my God, 5G's causing it, wearing a fucking colander on their head, like protecting foil on their ears. Like, I just unfollowed these people. And then people who were like, oh, heads up everyone, uh, we're about to hit a, uh, a Great Depression. I've got no statistics or facts, but heads up, it, it's coming. I was like, who the unfollow? I just, I block sometimes. I'm like, I don't even want the energy to ever coincide. I just want new, the, the circles to be separate. Um, so I think like, on the point of online though you know when you and i guess it's like with cousins talking shit actually no hold on to make a point about the guy you met i followed him on instagram and uh, mainly because of his cars and his house but i commented as well and my man replied to me you know i'm a big dogs out here uh but that's because i told him about you what did you say i got this dickhead (laughs) called ted no, he's saying what you're up to. I said we do this show. You should come on it. It'd be really nice to have you on. I guess you do really that with. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy's just phenomenal, man. He's phenomenal. He seems like, and and the stories you've told me seem incredible. And like, I think like 99% of actual entrepreneurs would feel the same way you did and be like, how do I get this? How you know, asking him the questions and and like putting that on your kind of vision board of that's what I want to achieve. It doesn't have to be the materialistic things. It could just be his lifestyle of being able to do whatever the hell he wants. And actually he doesn't because he loves his job. And so like, there's a lot of people who don't see it like that. And I think I get their view, right? It's like, oh, look at all these scammers who are using social media for bad things and for negative things. So they kind of say, oh, well, they're bad. They're lying. Therefore, you know, this chap, this woman is lying, is bad because they are and because they just can't believe it's possible. But then if they walked into your mate's house, I think they'd have a meltdown because they just wouldn't get it. Right. But the thing is, right, when you're when you're online and when you're building a brand, you know, we always talk about building a brand, paying attention to the details. You are going to potentially have some haters who are saying, oh, this person hasn't got any houses. Why have they even got a, um, a, a YouTube channel? Oh, they did one viewing and now they're trying to help people about um, how much it costs to relay carpets. And it's like, yeah, they're trying to help, which is the total opposite of you, you fuckwit. Do you know what I mean? 
So I think like you have to just understand if you're going to build a brand, if you're going to be out there and you are going to like be honest, which you should, people are going to hate on that and judge you off their worldview. So you might achieve something and think that wasn't enough. That was normal. But then what will happen is someone will come along with a different view and say, nah, you couldn't have done that without cheating or lying. Or I had an email, yeah? And this is kind of what you mentioned there from some guy on my mailing list. Let me check if he's in here or not because I'll just call him out if he is. Um, <laughs> no, he's not. So I had uh, I had an email from this person. It was, it was in response to my mailers, yeah? Like my weekly, daily mailers. Couldn't find this person on social media, I don't think. Anyways, send out my mailer, I get a response. Why have you got 16 charges on company's house? Are you scamming people out of money? <laughs> <clears throat> and i and i wrote a response and i haven't sent it because it's not rude it could have been it's not rude but because i don't give a shit but also secondly if you don't understand what a charge is and how it's the total opposite of scamming and how it actually gives people the highest level of security that you can get then you're stupid why are you messaging me dumb things like i have to be you have to be ruthless in situations like this because it's just like look i could email back and say FYI, here's what a charge is, link to gov.uk, here's what it means, any further questions, brackets, you prick, but what's the point? Because you don't have to prove yourself to people like this. You have to look after your reputation, right? And, you know, that means in certain situations, you may have to reply with a generic, here's what this is, that's what this is, any more questions, you can email me with my solicitor and CC, just be careful what you say, because it could be considered libel, or what's the other one? libel and slander so i think sometimes you have to just take that kind of approach of i'm not getting involved because the second you go in there and say what bruv how you don't even know what blah blah blah, they're gonna do the same thing to you and you're gonna go back and forth 40 comments later you both look stupid and no one's won both your egos are damaged and angry and you haven't got anywhere so when it comes to dealing with haters you kind of have to do that but there was a question in here James from I think it was from Aaron about okay how do you differentiate between like someone hating on you and actually calling out the truth I have my views on it but what do you think James that's a really really good question man mm. Mm. I think if someone was calling out the truth on me I'd like to think that they would message me you know outside of social media and say hey James I just wanted to check this with you this doesn't really add up or this doesn't really add up but that's a good question Aaron you throw me there a little bit man would I be able to yeah you go for it man you go for it I think for me right every every bit of feedback or every bit of no sorry every bit of hate has a bit of feedback you know how there's there's a saying about jokes they say like in truth we jest so whenever we make a joke often there's a bit of truth you know me and James take the piss out of each other there's a little bit of truth behind it like or it's something that we can, you know, see. It's the same thing with hate. Like sometimes with hate, like there's feedback in it. So the first thing, which I kind of missed before is when someone makes a comment, I sort of, I'm like, okay, there was no tact there. You were rude. Let's take off that wrapper of inability to be polite. What did you actually say? And it's like, hmm, you know what? Is that true? And if it is true, then act on it. Or if you're unsure, ask someone, say, look, James, um, someone sort of said this about me. But really, is that part true? You know, do you think I need to change that or alter that and go off that? Because nowadays, especially like British people, very politically correct. They don't want to give feedback. They don't want to criticize. So 
like I've been asking for feedback on my podcast for years and I've got it from five, six people out of, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of listeners. So it's like people do not give feedback. So haters, you know, you should be grateful because they can give you good feedback. Um, I think, I think like you have to take that feedback, internalize it, act on it, reflect on it or remove it and then get rid of them. Because if people aren't saying it in the right way, like, you know, do you think someone would walk up to you at a networking event? Yeah. And be like, Oh, I think you're a lying scammer. And I don't believe you've done what you've done. Mm, Prove it to me. Like no one has, like no one is brave enough or stupid enough to do that, but yet they do it behind a keyboard. I mean, you got, keyboard warrior. Keyboard warrior. So you got to think. Hold on. If you're not telling me this in a DM and you're trying to ruin my reputation, you know your feedback is not necessarily that important. But I'll still consider it. But I think Aaron's also kind of furthered his question and said the reason I ask is because I can call out truths, but I don't want to come across like a hater. So it's a fine line of standing up for others at the risk of looking like a hater. Yes, hundred percent. And I think you're always going to be on that like line. You're always going to be at risk. And you're all, someone's always going to think you're a hater and someone's going to think you're a savior. So I think it, it really is context dependent, but Aaron, I think the way you do it is good because, you know, if I read your posts, do I know who you're talking about? If you mention like a certain thing, not really, you know, like, and I'm quite active and like, I see a lot, but I still, you know, I can't, I don't know who you're talking about. And for me, that means that, okay, that's not hate, it's learning. So let's say this trainer did this and you then converted it into your post and said, uh, here's how to avoid being scammed by a property trainer. Here's three tips. Even if those three tips are like only what, you know, a few trainers do, I don't think people are going to say, ah, you must be talking about X, Y, Z. I think they're just going to say great tips. And so I think it's all about doing it as a, here's some tips, purely objective, you know, and I think as you kind of do, you chuck in a little bit of emotion, you know, like this is wrong or this is immoral or something like that to get the hook, but then put the tips, um, yeah, videos, text, whatever it is, however you want to communicate it, just don't like, cause this certain Facebook group that we're hopefully most of us know we're talking about, they will just drop names in. They'll dro- I've seen videos dropped in of people I know, and I know these people and what they're doing and I respect what they're doing. Aaron, you're probably next and Ruby, you're probably next as well. Um, and they just chuck in a name and say, dickhead, prove yourself to me. And these people haven't done much to be proven to. If it was like a big dog, you know, if it was like the James Sahota, then I'd be like, okay, okay, bro, 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 please let me prove myself. <laughs> but it's not. So Aaron, that's what I say. You know, you're pretty much doing it anyway, but I hope that helps um, other people as well. James, have you formulated an answer? No, not really. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, I think hopefully, Aaron, that helps. And hopefully everyone else, uh, that helps. James, when it comes to, like, in your past as a, as a print extraordinaire, uh, as someone who was almost in Asian Wealth magazine, big up, uh, have you ever experienced hate to the point where you where it emotionally affected you? Yeah, I think it does. In the early days, man, it does. Because you think to yourself, I'm hustling here, man. I'm working so damn hard to build something. You people don't realize I ain't spending time with my children. I'm not spending time with my wife. I almost missed the birth of my first son because I'm hustling to try and build a business, you know. And all you can see is um, 
you know, I used to get a lot of hate. I tell you when I used to get a lot of hate when I used to when when I when I bought a flash car. I used to get a lot of hate from everyone. I used to get a lot of hate from my own staff. You know, what? and you think to yourself, yeah. Even to the point, I was too scared to bring the car to work because I used to think if I bring the car to work, they're going to hate on me. They're going to think they're making me. You know that old saying when they used to say, people say, oh, you're only driving that car because of me because I worked so hard for you. No, you're not. Because I didn't <laughs> even buy that car through the print company. I might probably bought it through my property business. But, you know, you get a lot of hate from everybody. But people don't see the sacrifices somebody's making in the background to become a success. Come on, man. How many people would nearly miss the birth of their first child to get a job out the door? I don't think there'd be many, would there? I mean, I just luckily I made it. You know, I had to get my missus <laughs> to say, look, look, babe, just hold on. Hold on. I'm almost there. I'm there, I'm there, I'm just coming, you know? And uh, I remember in the early days walking around the shows, like I told you that, you know, it was a predominantly English game. And then I I almost felt it at trade shows when I'd be walking around, you know, this Asian dude with a beard. And you can see those eyes, you know, those eyes looking at you at these trade shows saying, oh, there he is, that guy, trying to nick my contract, trying to nick my work, trying to do this. And I'm thinking, I, I ain't trying is. to nick your work, man. I'm just... I'm trying to do a better job than you. I've got a way of talking to people. I'm giving them a better service. But, bro, you get so much hate. And then even, even when you're at family events, I'll tell you what, how much hate I used to get at family events. My cousins, they couldn't pick on me for anything apart from when there was a period in my life where I, I got really fat. Yeah, because I, <laughs> I just ate and drank beer, yeah? So every time I'd go to an event or a family thing, all they would do... They couldn't pick on anything else. They couldn't pick on my clothes. They couldn't pick on my car. So they say, oh, bruv, you put on weight, in ya. And I'm thinking, why are you stating the obvious? I know that. I can see that. I can feel that. You know, my trousers are tight. I can feel that. But it was their only way of having that one hate on me. And you think to yourself, shit, man, they can't pick on me for anything else. What are you laughing at, bruv? You're distracting me here. <laughs> Shaz, Shaz said, um, after you said about your flash cars, he said, all this hate James got just because of a Toyota Yaris. <laughs> I never... <laughs> did I ever have a Yaris? No, I don't think I did. You're more yeah. of a Nissan Microman. I can see you in one so, of those. So, you know, everybody, even your closest family members are trying to pick on something trying to hate Mm. on something and it's almost like okay i can't pick on him for this let me pick on him for that i can't pick on him for this i'll pick on that and you know what my wife she knew that used to get to me a lot because she could tell she goes that really affects you doesn't it when they call you tubby and i was like yeah of course (laughs) so things had to change (laughs) i think that's that's a really good point and like you know we all want nicer things but then as you get nicer things the people who don't have the right mindset the majority of people non non business non entrepreneurs will then hate on it and you're like oh so now i don't even want to like drive it because people are looking at me with it's i always wonder like super rich people do they have like certain roads they go on which don't have haters on and then do they go from like gerard's cross to mayfair on like a non-hater road and then they only shop in like whole foods in chel like i always wondered when you're super rich like how do you roll you just take your your SVJ Aventador to Sainsbury's and open the door and chuck the shopping in the front. Like, what do? Let, let, let me let me tell you something, yeah, Ted. When I when I was when I had a flash car and I was and I had a few mates who had flash cars and had businesses, yeah. The biggest difference that I saw between me and them was my friends or my so-called print associates. They didn't give a shit about talking to their staff like they were pieces of dirt. 
it really used to affect me to have a, you know, a beefy conversation with a member of staff or to tell someone off or to tell them you've done this. I would see my mate or guys when I'd go around to their firm, they'd walk in and say, what the fuck are you doing there, you prick? And I'm thinking, whoa, you're talking to a 50-year-old man like that who's been with you for the last 10 years. It was so, so, so ruthless. And I used to ask him, I used to think, do you not care? Like you're rolling in a car and you've got people here that you're paying bare minimum wage. He goes, I don't give a fuck. He goes, because they've got a choice to work for me on that money. There's people that are so tapped in the head. Even when you've got people that are very successful that don't give a fuck. They don't care about anyone but themselves. Then you've got successful people like I was with last week who really cares about his staff, provides the, you know, the, the, the nicest uh, um, kind of workplace. I mean, what, what boss gives you a barber? in your place free of charge gives you a beautician you know you can come and have the ladies can have their nails done their hair done whatever they want that's complimentary you know so i think in answer to your question how do these people deal with it is there a special road or something there isn't they just don't give a fuck they Mm. don't give a fuck man their level of respect towards their staff i found was so low and they just don't give a monkeys how what other people think because they're so they're, they're kind of tunnel vision on achieving that success and anybody around them could just off you go get out of the way i'm not interested i think you know what it's it's interesting because that kind of approach reminds me of the the way in which uh, uh narcos so if, if anyone's seen narcos or any sort of drug trafficking thing great business people but obviously horrible humans the way they treat their staff is exactly what james said it's just no respect it's just you have a choice either you leave or you or you stay here or you die in narco world, but that's different. Um, But they just have no respect and they just give orders and there's no company culture. And it's a kind of, it's a culture of um, like domination, you know, it's a culture of ego. It's I'm the boss and you're a prick and end of. And that, it's that's fear, just not, it? it's fear. Yeah, it's fear. That's it. And you're ruling with a, an iron fist and it, that's just not how companies should work. And that's just not how the world should work. But unfortunately it does. People are stuck in these jobs. They feel like they haven't got a choice. They feel like it's normal. And, you know, the boss can make them feel like it's normal and then they'll never quit. And then they have loyalty. And then the boss thinks they're amazing because they've worked with me for 10 years, even though I'm a knob. And it, it just, it just interesting that there's so many people who are, you know, sort of good at business, should I say? Well, not good at business, but they have successful businesses, but they're not like good people. But there's so many people out here who struggle mentally and say, oh, I'm never going to be successful. I'm never going to do this. And they're such good people. And it's like, you will have a successful business and you should mm-hmm. because you need to be kick out all these old school fear-based kind of rulers. So it's interesting uh, that you you kind of put it like that. Uh, so we've got a, a question from Suresh who said, I think it kind of got answered in the chat, but said he is always getting Facebook requests um, and he's always added people who seem legit and are property investors to get himself more exposure and reach. Uh, is this a bad idea? Any any thoughts on that, James? Or? Um, I, I don't think it is a bad idea because if you're looking at someone, they've sent you a request and they they kind of got mutual links, two, three hundred mutual links to you have, then they're trying to be part of that network. But the minute you see that person posting shit, I think you just need to X them off and get rid of them. Simple as. You know, so I, I don't agree. think there's anything wrong. I agree. I think you have to you have to take it on a case by case basis. So, like I've I've I added someone recently who was posting some really interesting stuff about like the market and the economy and stuff that I don't look at. I just get from other people who do the hard work. Um, and 
I thought, oh, this is interesting. And then literally four days after I first connected with this person, I had a call from someone who's kind of, I guess, well-respected. And then a few messages from like two or two other people who basically said, yeah, he scammed us out of money. We did a JV with him. We lost, uh, you know, under a hundred grand from him. Um, you know, he does this, he does that, he does that. And I was like, oh, I wasn't really, I didn't really care because I was like, well, I don't know the, the person, but it was just like, what? Like you can, did you connect with someone, find something out? And then, you know, then it comes a battle of who do you trust more? Do you trust the person you kind of just maybe added who it could be innocent? Or do you trust the people who have a rep? Because everyone can lie and it's very easy to lie. And when it comes to damaging reputations, look at any review of any restaurant or anything like that. And you'll see that it's easy to embellish what happened and turn it into a whole bigger thing. And we know when we're angry over something and we were writing a review, it would be, it would sound a lot worse than it actually is. So you have to kind of be careful in, in how you're dealing with like viewing people online, but companies house, uh, duedeal.com, I believe are three ways of doing your diligence. But you know, if you're like thinking about doing a course with someone or, you know, you're thinking about, I don't know, spending some money with someone apart from all the legal checks and the contracts and things you should have, just type their name into like property tribes or property 118 property tribes love to talk about other people mm. um whether it's factual or opinion i don't really know but it's a forum and forums can be very interesting have a look you know do they appear in there and don't just read the first post oh, this person's a scammer oh they're a scammer read the comments read if they're replied because there's plenty of cases where someone said oh someone owes me 700 grand and we ain't being paid back and then the person comments and says it's all in hand a week later, the post has disappeared. You know, they're all happy and it's all sorted, you know? So it's easy when you get in your feelings to pick this up and be like, oh, fuck the world, fuck magnet kitchens. But no, seriously, fuck magnet kitchens, etc. But actually, you know, it's easier just, well, it's not easier, but it's better not to do it. Would you, would you say, James? Yes, yes. I think I agree with you, man. Is there anything else... Uh, Listen, Aaron, Magna Kitchens are great. I'm not going to lie. But every new branch I deal with, we, ha- we have a fight. It's like animals. You know when they, they meet each other on the Serengeti and they just they attack just to be like, oh, cool. I know how strong you are. I know your level. Always fucking happens. So I just had a fight with one of them. Um, it was the weirdest fight ever. And now, now we're friends and they're ordering all my kitchens with the discount that I, I, I now get. I deserve. So You're just a bully, though. No, I'm not. I'm very polite, okay? No, it was right, cultural. Polite bully. <laughs> no, it was cultural differences because when we spoke on the phone, he was like, oh, blah, 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 you're really lovely, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I- I've said this to you. So, like, it's cultural differences. If, if, I, if I sent an email like that to someone in London, they would just be like, yeah, cool, what's up, carry on. But because they just, it's different, they didn't get it. And now we're friends. So that's fine. And also they were trying to give me the incorrect discount. So yeah, I'm not a bully. You little shit. Uh, do I use maybe, LMPG? Pay, Go on. Maybe you should pay for an LMPG membership and you'll get the correct discount. Uh, uh, no, I don't use LMPG. I get a bit better, better discount by going direct. Um, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Okay. After this, we'll compare quotes. I'll send you a quote. <laughs> okay. Um, but also, like you with with trade you can be a bit more like flexible on like with lmpg there's a set price but with trade 
it's a price that you can, you know what I mean? You can kind of work out. So yeah. Um, to be honest, Howden's magnet, they all mess up orders. They all make mistakes, um, which they shouldn't make, but they're human. So yeah, that's fine. We have to just accept it. Uh, oh, thanks. Everyone's, everyone's putting such lovely comments in the chat. You're all so polite. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Ruby says, what's wrong with calling people out? Absolutely nothing. Like, I think when it's a company and when it's a company who claim to be good and win all these awards and stuff and they don't listen to direct feedback, then I think there's something to do. I don't do it straight away. If I, if I go feedback and they don't, and they don't do anything, I go complain, they don't do anything. Then I do it. I mean, I've had the Twitter from magnet lie to the store about what I said. And then I screenshotted it from Twitter and said, Hey lads, this is what I actually said to your Twitter team. And they were like, Oh, they conveniently missed out half the message. And I was like, yeah, so, you know, they were fighting me over something their Twitter team told them that wasn't actually true. So in these situations, obviously I'm going to be like, what, you know, what are you playing at? Like, that's, that's not, that's not, that's not, that's not right. So I agree. Um, Jean, Jean-Lee Belgrave, certified, most certified name I've ever known, says uh, proper, isn't it? Uh, he needs to go gym though, isn't it? John Lee's a bit, he's a bit, yeah. He's, he, he, I've been teaching him. He's, wear, he's wearing away a bit, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. He said, Ted will be the first one to beef the restaurant when his order is wrong, wrong not his wife. That is very correct. Um, if my order, I won't beef, like if it's a good order and I'll eat it, but if it's not cooked, then I will politely say, buddy, it's not cooked. Can you give me a 200 pound voucher, please? Thanks. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I only a hundred pound voucher. Come on, I'm not an animal. Um, uh, there's another question. Oh, I'm waiting for the. Okay, Mohit, uh, that is off topic. So we'll we'll uh, answer it at the end. That's okay, Mohit. So just remember to ask at the end, and and we'll ask it, answer it. Um, Shaz said, "Tej, I was bricking it when. Uh, I mean, I was bricking it when Tej came to his uh, burger shop for a burger. You know what?" Why don't you tell everyone what I thought about your burger place for you little, little shits in the in the chat? Fucking hell! What, what? His burgers are actually very good. Like I have to say, if you're ever in Newport in Wales for whatever reason, go to Burger and Co. It's on the edge of the high street, just before you get into the ghetto. Beautiful sign. The food is mm, the halloumi, the halloumi fries. Ah, banging! So, James, is there anything else we want to cover on uh, social media or the dark side? Or does anyone in the chat have any questions about social media and the dark side before we go on to the auction escapage? I think my, my last bit of advice on that would be just don't, you know, don't believe everything you see because a lot of it is bollocks. Yeah. A lot of it is nonsense. Um, You see the, you you know, anyone, I say this to so many people nowadays, anyone can have a flash car. If you've got three or four grand kicking about each month, you can have a lease car that's a 300 grand car and it's going to cost you four grand a month. If you've got mm. a decent enough property portfolio where you think, you know what, that's, that's probably the income from two or three HMOs and you can afford to put it on a car, you can look like a big baller. You know, Somebody hasn't gone out there and physically laid down 300 grand on the car. If they have, they're totally bonkers. Um, so I always say, don't believe what you see. And you know what? Something yesterday... Um, um, TJ, I was speaking to TJ yesterday, he's on the call, and something TJ was saying about inspiring people, if you've got something nice, you know, like we were talking about watches, if you've got a 10 grand watch, 20 grand watch, someone who's 
coming up below you or someone who's aspiring to be in property, let them wear that watch. Let them feel it. Let them see what it feels like to have that on your wrist and then let them work backwards on how they achieve that thing. That's something really good he said because I was the same with the cars. If I used to rock up at a service station and you've got all the kids going, oh, that's so nice car. It's like, come and have a sit in it. Do what you want. You know, it's there. Rev up the engine. Just, you know, just don't drive it as a 10-year-old around the car park, obviously. (laughs) But, you know, I always say you should share your nice things with people, you know, because there was a time when you didn't have that. And there was a time when you were looking at that guy who had that thinking, you know what? I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And if someone's nice enough to share it for you, you've created that feeling for them to know what it feels like to have it. And you may have just inspired that person to be the next uh, Elon Musk or be the next Bill Gates or be someone, you know, fantastic in their life. So share the wealth, share the love. That is a very lovely sentiment to end this this chapter on. Uh, we have a quick question though from Roger Gill. How concerned are you with engagement, likes, etc. when posting? Does it affect the content you post? Not necessarily the dark side, but um, I... Uh, I'm fussed to the extent that it's a good way to measure what your audience like and what goes down well. It doesn't matter to me how many I get or, you know, whatever, but it's a good barometer, rough barometer of what are people liking? What are people's trends? What are they thinking? Um, So yeah, does it affect the content? Yeah. As in, if something consistently is getting like no likes, but I'm like, well, people don't want to see this. They're not learning from it or liking it. So let me switch it up. So it does affect it in the long run, but you need at least 20 posts before you can do some analytics and really get down to it. Yeah, Probably yeah. more. I don't give a monkeys. I post what I want to post. Yeah, it shows. Uh, so the next topic, oh, before we go on, uh, is anyone here on TikTok? Because uh, I, I wanted to show everyone something about how nuts this platform is. I'm a superstar, by the way. If anyone's not following me, Tej Talks at me, baby. Because, oh, I don't want to see Gordon fucking Ramsay, you bastard. So, <laughs> this, so I posted a video, yeah? And it was just a tour of my house, yeah? Obviously, the song is banging, but it's a tour. And look, the video shit, it just says, you know, £28,000 purchase, it's worth seventy five. Yes, it was clickbaity. Yes, I was doing that. It's TikTok. I got 6,500 views. And then I've got 70, 154 likes and 51 comments. This platform is cray-cray for engagement. I wasn't even dancing. I wasn't even doing anything cool. It was a video. I didn't even take the video myself of a freaking house, like with 15 seconds of a good song on. If you want reach and you want to like get yourself out there more and you're thinking, oh, Instagram and Facebook so saturated, which is not, just get on TikTok. You don't have to make music videos. You can just make normal talking videos. So you know, I'm now going to sell a course on how to blow up on TikTok because I have one video that has a few thousand um, likes. I believe I'm fully qualified. If you think I'm not, then you're a hater. So I'm joking for anyone who can't see my face right now. Right. That's TikTok. I just want to announce, obviously, I'm a superstar now on TikTok. Um, so please follow me. I will be dancing soon as well. So, you know, get ready for some vibes. James. The next point is 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 yours. Um, before we start talking about auction purchases, I just want to give people some little two minutes of knowledge on auction purchases. Once you've exchanged, you have legally exchanged contracts. Now, after this point, you can pull out, you can do whatever you like, but you will lose your exchange 10% or more. You'll lose that money. You don't even think about getting it back, uh, generally speaking, and you'll lose your auction fees. 
But now one thing that people maybe don't know is let's say you bought a house, easy maths for a hundred. So you lose your 10 grand, your fees, blah, blah, blah. And then what you do, what happens is let's say, um, let's say I pull out of the deal and James was selling it to me for a hundred grand in a month. He puts it back in auction or he finds a buyer and that buyer says, I'm gonna give you 150 for it. Again, a bit unrealistic, but easy maths. I'm gonna give you 150 for it. Because of no, sorry, let's say the buyer comes now and gives him 60. Let's say it's a month later, James is desperate, the mortgage is about to get repossessed. You know, someone comes along and says, I'm giving you 60 for it, but but I was gonna buy a hundred. There's a 40k difference. James is well within his rights and auction terms to sue me for the difference. So yeah, I've pulled out. I've only lost 10 grand. Oh, I've, I've saved my ass. No, you haven't. Because when that letter comes from the seller and says, hi, here's proof of exchange at a lower price. I'm suing you for the difference. There's not a lot you can do in a general you know, thing when the legal pack is fine. Generally speaking, you should not pull out of an auction purchase. You're not liable for only your deposit. You're liable for the difference that they could sell it for. Just be very wary of this because I've heard it has happened rarely because people don't pull out, but it can happen. And if you're in London and you're buying stuff, your deposit's big and the difference could be pretty big. And there's nothing to stop the seller if they really want to getting their mate to bid it up and then eventually push someone else into a higher price to then make more money. Or to, um, there's nothing to stop them selling it privately for a lower price to their uncle and to you to pay the difference if you get what I'm saying. So you are at the mercy of the gods. Um, so try not to pull out. However, James managed the great escape. It certainly was the great escape for me, man. I'll tell you. So you talk about buying a property for 28 grand. I actually bought one for 24. So I'll beat you by four grand. Does that mean I'll get 12,000 views if I put that on TikTok? Mm, maybe it was, worth, you, it was worth about the same as well it, maybe if if you got the right level of source then maybe yeah <laughs> listen if, if you take my course you can pay with credit card amex i accept amex I'll, I'll teach you through it in the seven step method don't worry don't worry bro i got you <laughs> so anyway getting back to this auction purchase it's been a nightmare so basically i bought this just at the beginning of covid19 and it's just been an ongoing ongoing uh you know saga of events so this friday we were due to sorry last friday we were due to um, exchange, sorry, complete on it. Funds were sent across to the solicitor and everything was running nicely. I knew there was a few issues with the headline lease um, and the lease was short on it. So I was well aware of that. I knew it wasn't in the nicest of areas, so it would have been a harder let, but I was confident I'd get it let. And at 24 grand, it's not a lot of money if you think about it for a free bed place. Anyway, so we're all ready to do what we need to do. And I get a call half an hour before, before the funds are about to be released and the solicitor goes to me, look, James, do you know that they have just sent us a letter saying, well, obviously I didn't know because he was telling me at the time, he goes, there is an issue with the lease where they're trying to get the lease revoked from the freeholder, which would then mean that this flat had no lease or whatever, and it would have pretty much been worthless. And the case had gone so far down the line that it was already in court. And I'm thinking, oh, shit, man, what have I done here? You know, not did not only didn't I leave the legal pack, I'm now going to buy something that's going to be non-existent if the judge decides to revoke the lease. Thinking, shit, I'm going to own a house that's not even mine. 
you know. So, cut a long story short, in the end, what happened was uh, they submit, the other side submit this letter through saying, oh, look, we swear to God, we absolutely swear we did not know about this. We didn't know about this. We only found out like an hour ago. And you think to yourself, oh, man, I'm not wet behind the ears here. This has gone to county court. There's a judge's name assigned it, which means it must have taken several months to get to court. So now the issue was we had to prove that they were lying because on the TR6 form, you know that TR6 form, everybody, when you buy a house and it says you're going to get the light switchings, you're getting this, you're getting the washing machine. Of course, everybody, everybody reads it, right? Yes, line for line. Yeah, some people don't. They just flick through it. <laughs> I actually I actually read the TR6 on this one. So there's a, there's a little point in the TR6 form where they say, do you know of any disputes related to this property? And these guys have put a big fat no, which was an absolute lie. So anyway, my solicitor, this is where I say to you, pay for a decent solicitor, you know, get yourself a decent solicitor. Legal advice, I think, is worth its weight in gold. So my solicitor I've been working for a few with, with for quite a long time, He's basically got them to make admission that they knew there was issues with this. Now, he's gone about it round about the ways how he's asked the questions. And they've basically come back in their email reply saying, yes, we knew there was a dispute a few years ago, but we thought it had been sorted out. And we knew there was a dispute with the neighbours, but we didn't know if we didn't have any dispute with them. So we're okay to complete. But the question said, do you know of any disputes um, uh, related to this property or any surrounding properties that relate to the dispute. So the minute they put that down in there, obviously when my solicitor rang their solicitor, he goes like the tone just completely changed because the other side solicitor knew that the party had just shot themselves in the foot. So we're thinking, okay, they're still holding our money. They still got our money. They still got our auction fees. And this was this wasn't ten percent. This was higher. So they had like five grand of our money and about twelve hundred for the auction fees. So anyway, Slitter writes them an email saying, "Look, you guys have uh, fraudulently put information down on the TR six form, and we're going to do you. We're going to do you for damages, costs, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Um, and they were like, "Okay." How can we resolve this? Solicitor goes back and says, I want this contract pretty much terminated straight away. I want all my clients' money back and I want my fees covered. So I thank the lucky stars. I thank the gods up there that I was able to exit out of a bad situation because I'm thinking to myself, damn, man, how am I going to explain this to my wife that I've just bought a place that isn't actually a place (laughs) and I've just given someone all this money for nothing? So yeah, that was the great auction escape lessons from that good solicitor um preferably when you're buying leasehold get them to read the legal pack before as well which we've said a lot uh but also like you let's say your solicitor wasn't shit hot let's say he was average and it went through just so people are not overly well you'd still be worried but solicitors have insurance to protect them and to pay out in cases like this so something like this happened the chances are you could take your solicitor to court and it could be pretty clear cut in terms of your victory um, and then paying out. So just know that there are levels of, you know, cover. That's why solicitors cost so much as well. Their insurance is so expensive and their reputation. I mean, can you imagine if, if James's sister went through with it and James had a piece of paper, which was worth nothing and had keys, which opened nothing. That would be, you know, that solicitor's reputation would be done and you could potentially report them to the SRA or the CLC potentially for like 
some sort of breaking of, I don't know, trust or good oath. So just remember, you are also protected by their insurance in, in times like this. But I mean, I have, I don't know a single person who's got out of an auction purchase. You like, do now. So, I mean, James Hota delivers again, people. You know what I mean? So, but I, I don't want people to think you can just run out of auction purchases. If they're legally bad and something's totally fucked up in this case, then you can. But also, this could also highlight, look, even if you do have a good solicitor, it's still good for you to understand every aspect of your business. But with legals, just to understand certain terms and the certain legal logic. And because even if your solicitor is good, you still want to be asking the questions like, what does that mean? Hold on. Doesn't that mean, you know, because sometimes they will just be going through their cases, their files and not necessarily paying as much attention, especially if it's an auction purchase and you've said, yeah, I've read the legals, happy days, carry on. So, and that's another thing, always get them to read the legals on an auction. So if you've exchanged, I know it's sort of too late, but still say to them, look, could you just take a look at the legal pack anyway? Because I've been asked that before and I said, it's the same cost. Just have a look at it. I want it, I want it under your insurance that you've said it's cool. So little, little things like that you can do um, to stop that. Right. Oh, fucking hell. That was my knee. So has anyone got any questions? Because we have covered all of the topics for today. Uh, James, you know, every Thursday I forget that we have this at 10 a.m., because for the last three weeks, I've had podcasts booked in at like 10.30 a.m. or like 11. And the night before, I'm like, no way. Every Thursday is the same thing because it's not in my diary. But um, I do look forward to it, I must say. It's, uh, you need to put it in as a reoccurring event, don't you? Yeah, maybe I thought it wouldn't last that long. So I was like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when people buy puppies for Christmas and then they give them away, you horrible people. Man, listen, um, I've, got a, I've got a funeral next week and I'm running to the funeral, getting it over and done with. So I'm back for the podcast. That's dedication. Respect, respect. So has anyone got any questions? I think Mohit is going to ask one on camera if he's around. Uh, if anyone else has any questions, let us know. We'll take questions for like a few minutes if we want to. And... Uh, Mohit, I think you've unmuted yourself, haven't you? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, greeting. Well, you yeah. cold, mate. You're right. Yeah, mate, freezing. <laughs> no, it's what it's, it's the hair, right? So I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to cover it up. <laughs> what is what is your question for us, good sir? Okay, perfect. So um, I managed to secure my first investor finance. Um, it's 50k into a deal. Big up. Um, yeah, thank you, man. Took, took took a few weeks though, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but but it is what it is, and, and I'm glad that it's done now. So I'm actually going to buy the house cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm just thinking how I would go, um, you know, and how I word this to my cavetsa. I've only ever bought for a personal name, but this will be for a limited company. Um, I'm assuming it would just be a, a standard like a loan agreement, or um, or would I declare it as a as a gift, or how? What would I tell them? James, do you want to answer? Shall I? Um, you, you can answer this. I'll come in after. So the best thing to do is just basically to do a loan agreement from preferably, and I'll tell you why in a second, their limited company to your limited company, but sort of, it can, it can go two ways. They can transfer you the money to your account or they might prefer to do it straight to the solicitors. What you have to do is sign the loan agreement with the person and that can be done with or without solicitors. They're just going to look at it and say, yeah, whatever then send that to the solicitors, introduce like that to introduce the solicitors to the investor and say, here's the investor, here's the loan agreement. They will then run their checks on that investor, six months bank statements, 
uh, proof of address, proof of ID, and they can run some AML and KYC checks online for like a few pounds, I think, with their searches platform. So let them do that. That's just important to make sure they're not money laundering or they're not like a narco, yeah, for example. Um, once you've done that, the best way, and most listeners will kind of be like, yeah, cool. You know, like we understand the ones I have, they're just like, yeah, whatever, just introduce us. We know, we like, we know how you work. They then loan you the money or give it to this lister directly. And that's it. So it's purely a loan. Um, you don't want to gift it because if I was an investor, no way in hell would I gift my money to someone because legally I've let go of it. And you know what I mean? I have no claim to it. It's not no longer a business transaction loan. The reason you should do it company to company is if you do it company to person, like, so if you did like Mohit to Mohit limited, when you then pay the investor back as a person, you have to give 20% of their interest payment to HMRC and fill out a CT61 form. Who wants to fill out the form? Who wants to give someone's interest to HMRC? Because they then have to call HMRC and say, I want to claim my interest. And HMRC are going to say, all right, well, when you do your tax statement, we'll see and we'll give you how much you think you deserve. When that's not maybe how they want to handle their tax affairs. So always keep it limited to limited. It just makes life a lot easier. Look, if the person doesn't want to do a company and they're happy with you giving 20%, which they can claim back, sort of, fine. But it's a loan agreement and it's a limited to limited uh, loan agreement. Fine. And and obviously when I want to pay it back, I'll just pay it back to the, to the limited company and that's it. And, and just sort of cut our ties <laughs> and hopefully go again. Exactly. Yes. It's a business to business agreement. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Thank you guys. No problem. Sorry. Sorry. Mohib. My only last advice on that would be, I know you mentioned to obviously off, off this call that it was from a family member, an uncle, even if it's a family member, or uncle, even if it's your mum, your dad, I would definitely say, make sure you've got an agreement there and a contract in place. Yeah, and don't, don't do any gentleman's handshakes because like I always say, when money's involved, things get sour and you want to lose a friend, lend them some money. So just remember yeah, that, man. Make sure it's watertight. Feel you. Thank you, man. Cheers. 100%. No and then we got uh, TJ has a question. What TJ jump on camera? I know you love being on camera. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. How's it going, people? You're right. Good. Thanks. Good, man. Good, good, good. Uh, quick question. So, obviously, I don't know. I was going to say obviously, but so I've got a commercial conversion that I'm in the process of doing. Purchase sitting there. I'm trying to find credible builders um i'm meeting with a few of them and they all chatting shit they all want the business um we're getting all sorts of ranges people saying 65k for the conversion to someone else saying 150,000, and they're all just chatting shit the truth is i can't afford to make a mistake so i'm happy to sit on it because as i said it still pays me because i've got commercial tenants but what kind of dd are you guys doing how are you reassured that the builder is the right person a bunch of them have got reviews but at the same time, as we know, some people, some of our gurus fake their reviews online. So again, I, I'm not too sure. Second question, while, while we're there, I was about to post it. Bought the commercial in a personal name. I wanted to find out if I could set up a company um, to pay out the cost of the work to the builders because they're VAT registered and then claim back my VAT. Uh, James, who do you want to answer? I'll, I'll, I'll jump on that question about the due diligence on the on the builders for you, TJ. So I recently finished a new build, and like you, mate, you get builders chatting so much shit. I had like hundred grand differences in prices, uh, and I actually got burnt by my first 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 builder. So what I would say to you, mate, is um, number one, what I did was 
I know people fake their reviews, but I jumped onto um, my builder, mybuilder.com. I posted the I posted the job out there, and I had a lot a lot of people replying. Now I kind of I kind of honed it down to say five builders on there that had masses and masses of reviews. I did also go with people that had negative reviews because you know you get somebody that one person who chats shit and just makes a makes their reviews look all nonsense. But what I did was. When I got it down to the last three builders, I made sure they provided me with about five jobs. And then I said to them, I want 10 numbers of people that you have done work for. I didn't give them a choice of giving me free references. And I said, I want 10 because I'm going to randomly call people off that list. I didn't let them kind of pre-warn people and say, hey, uh, hey, Dave, James is going to call you. Can you uh, tell him that I'm fantastic and I'll give you a, a monkey for doing so? Um, so when I started calling the builders, sorry, when I started calling the previous people they did work for, it soon became apparent who was a good guy and who was just chatting shit. And the way I made my decision was the last person I, the, the last builder that I honed it down to, when I rang one of his contacts, he was a guy from Dubai. And he said to me, he goes, look, this builder is so good. He goes, in fact, he doesn't cause me any problems. I cause him problems by changing stuff, by putting things in last minute. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've rang three people on the list and they've all said the same thing about this guy. I then ended up ringing everybody on that list just to make sure I had the right guy. And then he provided me with um, works that I could go and see. Again, I went to see those jobs without the builder. I didn't want him there because yeah. I didn't want him to pre-warn anybody on what was going on because I wanted to see stuff. I wanted to walk around, tap on the walls, see how he's finished skirting off, how he's done stuff. Uh, you know, little things. Is that sitting straight? Has he done that nice? Has he got attention to detail? And I think that's that's how I made my decision. So I wouldn't rule uh, my builder out. It's just don't go off what they're telling you. You need to you need to go off and do your own homework, man. Become Sherlock Holmes for the day and, and yeah. go and see what they're doing. I think to add to that, uh, TJ, are you giving them a speck of works or are you saying, here's, here's some walls, make it into a thing? Yeah, here's some walls, make it into a thing. Okay, so what I'd say is that's a good way to get like a – get a builder to give you a rough quote and that's kind of where the range comes from but i think you need to get on site if you can um maybe take uh, i don't know maybe take take videos and pictures of it to ask facebook as well for some help but go around and literally compare whatever you have there compare it to your house and say okay what do i need to put in this to make it my house literally top to bottom corner to corner because it's skirting is it laminate is it walls if there's bricks okay we need insulation we need damp proofing. We need plasterboarding. We need electrics. We need new gas central heating. Write down everything you think you need. And then maybe like, you know, what we said, take someone for coffee, for Nando's when we can, or, or Zoom call and say, look, this is what I think I need for a commercial conversion. There's a few books on commercial conversions as well. Um, but you, what, what ideally you want is to say to a builder, especially a new one you don't know, here's your spec. I don't want to see any extra shit unless you think it's vital, put it separately this is what I want you to do. Uh, you know, what is your price? Because that way they're not saying, Oh, you might need this geezer. You might need that. They're just saying, Oh, you want, and some builders will be like, nah, don't do that. They piss off then. Mm. So make that spec for them. I do specs now that are very top level, new boy, new bathroom, because I've worked with these builders for a while, but first time and to an extent, very detailed skirting in every room. Like you want it to be like, 
oh my God, you know, every detail. Because then what you can do is you get three quotes and you can line by line compare what have they charged. And then it makes more sense to you instead of what the hell is all this stuff? Um, but yeah, what James said, do, do what James said and then but give them a spec to go off. Uh, and um, I'll type this into the chat. There's a guide called Spons, I think it's called. And there's a few others which are like national pricing guidelines for how much parts of a refurb should cost. I think you can get it for free. It's a big old like book. Have a look at that and compare it to like national averages and things like that. Um, but yeah, it is tough. And with a big project like this, you may even have different teams. You may say, I'm going to get a plumbing team to plumb it, Sparkies to do the electrics. You know, it all depends. You know, if I had a project down the road from me, I'd probably use a few different teams because it's far away. I use one big team. Um, does that help? Is that, is that because they charge differently as opposed to giving someone the whole work and they've priced it to do everything sometimes like the master builder will then take off he'll cream off the the plumber and the sparky and just take it off or they'll just charge more because they're like well i'm doing it all or they're like you don't know what you're talking about i'm gonna charge you more whereas you said to a sparky here's a house they're just gonna charge you for that yeah so and some builders have cheaper electricians but really expensive plasterers and vice versa so sometimes you have to like split it like all my gas work is done by someone else and all my carpets are done by someone else just how it works out um, so i'm being quoted by some of the builders for sorry to take up so much time oh, cool. um for rewiring so again it would it make sense maybe to find someone else that can rewire find out what they're charging as opposed to lumping it in with, yeah yeah get, get, call an electrician with yeah. the same sort of way that james did yeah. and get them in and say give me the cost of, re- of rewiring this and how many sockets you're going to put in and how do you work out your price yeah. and then go from there. Yeah. You know, and just to second, add to that, go on. oh, sorry, just to add to that, TJ, what I would say is, man, you know, treat everybody like they're stupid. Don't leave anything to assumption. Yeah. Because something that might be common sense to you to a builder might not be common sense because they, for some reason, builders seem to speak a different language. You know, yeah. they speak English, but they speak a different language. Um, so, so don't leave anything to assumption. Be very, very clear on what you want. If you want, you know, if you want skirting that's 200 mil deep, say it's 200 mil deep because you, what you'll find is they'll go there and they'll put 100 mil deep skirting there. And inside your head, you're going to be thinking, you know what? I thought that, but did yeah. I tell him? Yeah. I was thinking that, but he didn't pick up on it. And then you got you got to take a step back and think, you know what? He ain't a mind reader. He ain't reading what you're thinking. So don't leave anything to assumption. Yeah. And also what I'd say is, how much time are you going to be spending on site? Are you project managing this or are you getting I someone can, to do I live around the corner, so I can literally... I'd love to put a sleeping bed in there and just sleep in there. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, if you're if you're project managing it, then maybe you should look at bringing the trades teams in from different. Uh, you know, if you bring the sparkies in, bring the the, um, the plumbers in, and bring different trades in, and you just manage it because I think that way you're going to have far more control over the cost rather than like Ted said, you give it to a master builder. Because I had this, I gave my last one to a master builder, and when I'm talking to the to the sparky he's saying oh your bill's 2200 and the builder's got it down on the quote as 3000 something i'm thinking hey yeah 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 what's going on here what's going on here you know so if you can manage it yourself and you've got a load of time yeah and you put together a detailed spec of work then i would say yeah try and try and farm it out man because that's the way you're going to really get your cost down okay Okay. what was your second question was Uh, about um can you set up so of course the builders are charging VAT. So even on the 150k job, it's 30k on VAT. So I was thinking setting up a company to pay out the work and then claiming back the VAT. But again, yeah, I mean I don't see why not. If you set up a limited company, which is you know TJ Refurbs Limited, and 
whether it's investor money in there or it's you doing a director's loan into the company and paying it, I don't see a problem with that. I'm not an accountant. It's not financial advice. Yeah, 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 yeah. But but I believe they can also charge you 5% VAT, not 20. There's a certain condition. Aaron in this chat might know the condition. Um, you uh, need to uh, see what the project, where where does the project fall? Because for me, because mine was a new build, I was uh, zero VAT rated on that. And there's certain projects that are five percent, so you mm. need to find out what the tax, uh, yeah. what the tax rate is for your project, and um, also I think you need to be aware. I think there's a there's a set period of time that you need to get your VAT claim in by, and there's certain things you need to be doing along the line on preparing all all the stuff for the VAT claim because I know someone had a little bit of difficulty. So hundred percent, get that checked out, man, so that you're filing everything correctly. Sure. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Oh, lastly, lastly, lastly. Go on. Go on. Since I've got you guys. So all these builders have got insurance. Um, do the insurance stand for anything? Does it mean anything? Um, James, have you had an experience with insurance? Yes. They, you, they've got to have proper professional indemnity insurance there, man. Because if something goes wrong, if the house falls down, you know, while they're building it um, and it damages somebody else's property, you don't want that hanging over your head. Yeah. You know, I, I was doubly sure. I made sure he had professional indemnity insurance. Then I made sure my company had proper, you know, sure. like, 20 million pound professional indemnity insurance just in case something went wrong and for the sake of two or three hundred quid or whatever it is i'd make sure cover your ass doubly especially if it's a bigger build uh something goes wrong you got the insurance there brilliant guys thank you so much um so what was that um aaron said or commercial to residential what was that in have a have a chat with him separately about yeah. that he he knows he's he's doing that at the moment so amazing james uh, i believe we have reached the end of the show yep um i'm hungry so uh right thank you everyone for coming on today and thank you for joining us we really appreciate it please tell your friends bring a friend you know the property duo and that uh every thursday 10 a.m it's not just for lockdown it's for life or until we get oh, also, each other also guys if you wouldn't mind taking a picture of your screen and tag yes oh yes yeah, you told me to say that everyone please um we're gonna me and james are gonna pose have people done the pictures people done the pictures yeah we're good we're ready right cool uh thank you very much this will be released as a podcast episode in uh yeah like four weeks so shut up (laughs) we're gonna have some beef online here (laughs) thanks for attending everyone see you next thursday Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.